Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So the numbers are in, and the numbers are not good. I mean, I guess if you wanted to be a silver lining person, you'd say inflation year over year is down. But that means you didn't do anything involving reading a report. You didn't take a look at what the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics is putting out there. You didn't take a look at the fact that while, yes, inflation is 8.2% down from last month in terms of the year over year, that the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, was up 0.4% in September, more than the 0.1% in August. And you're looking at that core CPI, that 66 You mean you're not looking at food and energy prices? Because if you look at food and energy prices, things are as bad as you have known they are because your pocketbook, your wallet has been telling you. And you know that there are going to be people in the Biden administration who want to spin this story like it's Hanukkah and they're playing dreidel. Look at how good this economy is going. I mean, I have got clip after clip after clip after clip of this White House trying to tell you recession. Well, there's no recession. Um, And then yesterday we had the president saying that um, in his interview with Jake Tapper, I think, that if there's going to be a recession, it'll be a small one, which I think is a change from what he said previously, which he thinks there's not, which he said there wasn't going to be a recession. So are you changing? Are you preparing, you know, for job losses? I mean, how, what's... Is the posture changing on the economy based on what we're expecting? To take the one part of your question first, um, so which is what the president said last night on uh, during his interviews. Look, the president has been pretty um, consistent, has said multiple times in the past, while a recession is possible, he does not think there will be a recession. That's White House Press Secretary Cringe Jean-Pierre. Ooh. That's right. I say cringe, not Corinne. It's cringe, Jean-Pierre. But you and I, we're living in this. This is a recession. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Tony Katz today. Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I got with him early because I want to understand this report because some people, they'll say, oh, look, there's a little bit of sunshine here, doctor. They'll say there's a little bit of sunshine and you've got uh, the the overall year over year going down. I read into this a little bit. I don't see sunshine. What do you see? You know, Tony, when I first saw the report, I saw a little bit of sunshine. And then when I read the report in detail, I about fell out of my chair. And I understand why the market went down 500 points in the, the futures. They got into the details. Yeah, yeah in the, in the, the, futures, the right futures there market. in the future. I'm not sure where it is right now, but right there in, in the futures. What in the details got to you? Well, when I noticed this, Tony, you know how we had the slight dip in energy that's now going back up? Well, that's in the report. So if you remove energy, we had a 40-year high in core inflation. Tony, a 40-year high. And that doesn't even include some of the sub-energy things, such as natural gas. Natural gas, Tony, is up 34% annualized, 34%. Tony, that's what you use to heat your homes. That's, what Europe, that's why Europe is going gonna, is gonna to freeze to death this winter, because they don't have natural gas. And this administration is banning, let me say that again, Tony, banning the exploration and exporting of natural gas. They're causing a 34% increase. They're causing the core uh, food to go still go up 8 
there's a lot of problems in here, Tony, and the market doesn't like it. So let's start with a, with a basic. You have CPI, and then you have core CPI, Consumer Price Index. Why do we split them up into these two categories? Well, because, Tony, the, the core is what is an indicator of what's coming in the future. Um, energy is very volatile. We've seen that. People now realize it. So we try to remove that energy component to make it say, okay, what is really happening underneath the surface? Remove this volatile item. And so that core CPI is what's much more important to us. And that is what's at a 40-year high. And the administration is not going to notice that. Well, they notice it. They just don't want to tell you about it. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. Let's talk about the numbers that affect our everyday, which are those energy and food prices, volatile or not. That's what we live with in the food index, which rose 0.8% for the month, which was the same as it did in August. It's up 11.2% from a year ago. I get the feeling that somehow that number is not actually indicative of the reality. When I stare at that, based on what I anecdotally see at a supermarket, I get the feeling that prices are certainly far more above that. Is there is Do these numbers sometimes lag behind the trend, or am I just feeling it versus what a reality is? And even though that number is still There's damn funny. huge. Yeah, Tony, no, you're correct, Tony. The, the numbers that we get are a slight lag. That's why you see energy prices in this thing down when you and I both know that at the pump in the last two weeks, they've gone up. So there is a slight lag, and you're 100% correct in what you see and what you feel when you go to the grocery store. On that energy side, because you bring up a good point, the energy, you, you brought about natural gas. You brought up that conversation. But the energy also involves gas prices. We had had AAA over a month ago, before the gas prices started going up, warned that gas prices this winter, the slower season for travel, could get to $5 a gallon. Then we had the refinery issue in Indiana that led to an increase in prices in the Midwest, Indiana being amongst those states because the refinery was in Indiana. But now we're seeing this nationwide rebuild on prices. Is this a lack of oil in the market, meaning OPEC's reduction of 2 million barrels a, a day? Or is this uh, something else that's creating this energy price increase? No, Tony, it, it's, it's demand and it's, it's um, supply. And I want to clarify something. You said OPEC plus is decreasing supply. That's not true. It's OPEC plus plus Biden. Because Biden has banned the exploration. He's banned new leases on public lands and waterways. So Biden is in the same boat with OPEC in, in reducing the supply. So, yes, Tony, that is what we're seeing, a reduction in supply, and we're going to see an increase in gasoline prices. But let's not forget the most important thing, and that is how to heat your home in the winter. That's something we need to talk about, Tony. That scares me. Now, now before we, 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 we move on, because we should get to the heat thing, I've been discussing on television and other places, people are going to choose between heat or eat. But when you talk about the Biden administration, because this happened to me, I didn't get a chance to respond to it. I was on Fox News uh, last, last weekend where uh, this, this Democrat I was discussing things uh, with uh, said that we are a, a energy exporter. We're a positive energy exporter, that we're putting energy into the market. But as you have noted, we're putting out less energy into the market under Joe Biden than we did under Donald Trump. It, that's just a mathematical fact. I don't know who's saying this and what they're reading, but I can tell you exactly the amount of field oil production that we have in the United States today, 12 you know, million barrels, 
it was 13 million barrels. I, I don't know, you know, maybe because I'm a math nerd, I can understand this and people can't, but 12 is less than 13, Tony. What? Why wasn't yes, I, I notified? 12 is less than 13. You might want to write that down. Yeah, you might want to. Seriously, you might want to get a calculator, take off your shoes, whatever it takes. We mock because, I mean, it, it, you either laugh or, or, or you cry. There is a remarkable level of seriousness here, and, and sometimes uh, you, uh, surprisingly to me, do a very good job at mocking the administration and others who don't seem to tend towards reality. But this heating oil conversation and the idea of heat or eat, uh, when you talk about in the United States, when you talk about it in, in, in Europe, this is a very serious issue. Um, what is uh, your calculation uh, or what is uh, the perceived conversation or perceived calculation of the level of those price increases as we get more into the winter months, November, December, the, 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 the heart of it in, in January, are we going to see massive spikes or have, have the markets already figured in the increase as you often talk about, they've already baked it in and this is where we're at. You know, I like Tony, how you, you very sneakily hit in, that Matt, give me a forecast. Give me a prediction. Oh, I, yeah, I know. Every time. Um, every time. <laughs> but I, I can tell you this. They've already baked in a lot of it. I don't know how much more is to come, but I can tell you this. This month, the annualized rate of natural gas increase in prices is 34.8%. Tony, I don't know if that's baked in or I don't know if there's more to come, but that's a disaster. I don't care how you look at it, Tony. That's a disaster. But I got to ask you a question. Are, are the progressives just stupid or evil? Because natural gas is clean energy. People, they see the word gas and think dirty. Natural gas is a clean burning energy source. Why are the progressives trying to destroy a clean burning energy source? Are, are they out for power or are they really out to save the environment? Well, let me give you now a, a pushback on that. Let me give you a pushback on that and, and engage in something that the administration often talks about that we have out there for these uh, oil and gas companies, these leases. And the problem is the oil and gas companies aren't utilizing the leases. They aren't doing the exploration. How do you how do you respond uh, as an economist to that argument? You know, Tony, I, I, I don't want to scream too loud, but my response is it's a lie because I read the January 20th, 2021 executive order on protecting the Environment Act. I gave you some of the details the other day. There's a laundry list. DOE delaying approval of natural LNG permits. The Department of the Interior canceling lease on federal lands and waterways. The NEPA Act is used to delay oil permits for two years. They're delaying natural gas permits under the Natural Gas Act as public need statute for two years. Tony, this is just factual information. They're lying. I can read the president's own executive order to you. I just read it. This is like 313 minus 12. Two people can not read. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, Dr. Matt Will, M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L, Dr. Matt Will, on the Twitter box is where you find him. Was there anything within these numbers? Because some of the things that we didn't go uh, and, and discuss, transportation services uh, up 1.9%, 14.6% up on an annual basis, and I'm not quite sure what they mean by transportation. Medical care co costs rose another 1% in September. Go over that transportation number with me, if you could. 14.6% on an annual basis, that's year over year, up 1.9%. How do we define transportation? 
the, the transportation services, Tony, are things that you go and get, such as a bus or an airplane or a train. So those are the things that the consumer gets. That's why you zeroed in on a very important number. You and I, when we try to go on vacation after the end of the lockdowns, we're paying significantly more for our airfares. You go on a bus ride to Chicago, you're paying significantly more. You're going on a train. That's what services are. So transportation services, Uber, taxi, anything that you're not doing yourself. So that's a bad number for a growing economy, Tony. Well, it's certainly a bad number for a guy who was trying to go on vacation this winter and is like, I don't think I don't think I, I can I can afford it. I don't think I can get there. Uh, be, before I let you go, uh, you often discuss the markets as uh, drug users and, and they, they want to read everything rosy into this and they, they still haven't gotten into the fact that we're in a, a bad place and Wall Street being different than Midwest Main Street. We know that the federal fund rates right federal funds rate right now is between three and three and quarter percent. We know uh, that Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, has said he's looking for a target of four point six percent. And we know people have been decrying the uh, rising interest rates where you've got 30 year fixed now over six point eight percent. But there's clearly more interest rate hikes to come. In your view, have the interest rate hikes done anything to slow inflation, and do these numbers that we have prove that the rising interest rates is working, we have to keep at it, or the rising interest rates haven't yet done their job and we need to really increase even more than that 4.6% federal funds rate number, which is the number that banks use to lend in between themselves? Well, Tony, I'm going to do like a politician and answer the question you didn't ask. Um, Yes, they're doing their job. But the head economist at Bank of America said something very good yesterday. He said, the road is going to get bumpier. It's not just up to the Fed to bring down inflation. We expect help from other areas. Tony, the Fed's doing everything they can. They're doing it. The problem, as this economist from Bank of America said, it is up to other people to help. And what does that mean? The administration, the White House, the Congress, they have to stop spending money like drunken sailors. That's, I'm sorry, that's not the direct answer you were looking for, but the Fed can't do it on their own, Tony. And that's the message that every economist out there is starting to say. Is it the expectation of economists that the Federal Reserve will increase their target for the federal funds rate more than 4.6%? I don't know what every economist thinks, Tony, but my, my opinion is yes, because they're fighting the administration and the administration's not doing their part. So the Fed's just going to ramp it up and the addict is not going to get the cheap money they're looking for. And that's why the market futures are down. At this second, it fluctuates 493. Tony, 493 within a few minutes of this report because the addict isn't going to get its cheap money because the Fed has got to fight the administration. Dr. Matt Will, M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L-D-R, Matt Will on Twitter is where you find him. Economist, University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Life in prison, that's what the shooter, the murderer at Parkland's Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, that's what he got. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, there are going to be people who are going to be saying, uh, why not the death penalty? It's going uh, to, to, to get asked. 
No, I should take that back. He didn't get life in prison. The suggestion from the jury that has found him guilty is life in prison. On November 1st, victim impact statements will be delivered. So the jury has recommended that he get life in prison. Sorry, I read that wrong. My apologies there. But not the death penalty. Ah, this is going to... You are going to get people screaming for the death penalty, and you're going to get people screaming for what does one more dead person do us? And they're, it's one of those moments where they're both not going to be wrong. This guy murdered 17 people. And then uh, he, he's, he's, you know, pleading guilty and he, he's like, uh, I have nothing but love and I'm so sorry. And none of that, none of that matters. No, none of that matters. Even when you see him in the courtroom and he's got his sweater and the you know the collar sticking out and the, and the and the very very 1986 looking glasses, how many stories did we hear about this guy before he murdered 17 people, 14 students and three staff members? About students being afraid of him, teachers being afraid of him. They thought this would be the kind of guy he is. How about the conversation, the promise program uh, that was put in place there in, or- in Orlando or in that area? That worked to ensure that kids who were doing things wrong or kids who were an issue didn't actually get in trouble. So you could show the slide, the downward slide of, of issues in your school. See, we're making everything better with our program. The program was about throwing things under a rug. You threw a kid under the rug. Which again will lead to, what's the point of killing him? We, we won't make anything better. You think he's going to have a life in prison? I don't know anybody's life is going to be better if he's actually dead. But I'm not one of these 14 families. I'm sorry, 17 families of 14 students and three teachers. And I, I, I don't, honestly don't know where they're at. But our conversation has got to be how do we work to address things before they get to this place? And what culturally is happening? Something has been introduced into culture that needs to be extricated or something has been removed from culture that needs to be reintroduced. I cannot think of anything else. Meanwhile, President Biden has really freaked people out with this Armageddon conversation. Even Representative Ocasio-Cortez can't avoid the heat. Congressman Jim Banks joins me next to discuss it. I'm Tony Katz. Congresswoman, none of this matters unless there's a nuclear war, which you voted to send arms and weapons to Ukraine. Tulsi Gabbard, she's left the Democratic Party because there are fucking war hawks, okay? You originally voted, you ran as an outsider, yet you've been voting to start this war in Ukraine. You're voting to start... Does Joe Biden realize what he started here when he made the statement of Armageddon? This, if you haven't seen this on your social media feeds yet, holy McMackerel, it is, it is amazing. This is a town hall put forth by Representative Ocasio-Cortez and the crowd, which is very small, by the way, she does not fill her own town halls. 
Only in only in the media circles is she a celebrity. Everywhere else, they know that she's lost the edge on social media. Her policies are all childlike, and she's not taken seriously. But they're screaming about nuclear war because Joe Biden, in a closed-door event, starts discussing the fact that we could be near Armageddon with the Russians based on the invasion of Ukraine, how poorly they're doing uh, in Russia, and the idea of some level of nuclear war. Biden's offhand remark has created massive problem problems for Democrats. The problem is we still have a problem for the country. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tony Katz today. Congressman Jim Banks joins us right now from the Indiana 3rd District. That's the Fort Wayne area of Indiana and places north and to the west. He also serves on the Committee on Armed Services. He's the ranking member on the Subcommittee of Cyber Innovative Technologies and Information Systems and Subcommittee on Sea Power and Projection Forces. You've also served in the military. And, and sir, you... This this comment from Joe Biden, which was flip and glib behind closed doors at a Democratic fundraiser, has taken on this whole new life. What was your take when you heard it? And if you have a problem with it, what is the problem? Well, Tony, I mean, the, the problem is that we have a we have a president, a commander in chief who is all over the place. And you know, he, he uh, what, what he said so far, the, the mixed messages he's He's given to our adversaries uh, the most dangerous. Those are the most dangerous qualities to have in a president at a time like this, who sends mixed messages to our adversaries, to our allies. The Armageddon comment. Um, you know, this, this is why it's a it's a it's a good thing that we don't have boots on the ground in Ukraine because that would cause nuclear Armageddon if we were fighting a hot war in Ukraine. But remember, it's his weakness that has attracted the aggression of Russia, of our other uh, enemies around the globe, he's fully responsible for it. And uh, the, 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 the end of the Joe Biden uh, uh, weak presidency can't come soon enough. But the, the issue regarding Vladimir Putin, what they often describe as a tactical nuclear strike, uh, he clearly has underestimated the position in Ukraine. He clearly overestimated his forces' uh, potential. They have an, uh, an absolute willingness to wait out Ukraine, and yet Ukraine, uh, over the past 30, 40 days, has done an incredible job of taking back land that they lost to the Russians. Russia's only option now is to conscript people into the military. So there is a question, I think, that, that we as Americans ask in the world ask involving exactly how much patience does Putin have and exactly how out of his head is he? So isn't there a conversation to be had with America about this possibility or is it not a possibility at all? Well, of course it's a possibility. You have, you, you have a, you have a madman uh, in, in Russia, but you have a crazy man in the white house and, and the rest of the world sees that, that this president is, is uh, not sharp. I mean, the comments uh, yesterday about his son dying in Iraq uh, when his, di- his son di- tragically died of brain cancer. He did not die in Iraq. Uh, other other uh, comments that this president's made. I mean, it just it just goes to show how dangerous dangerous it is to have such a weak uh, and incoherent uh, president in the White House. So then then you look at what what's going on uh, with Russia. Russia has 2,000 tactical nukes, which are short-range nuclear weapons that can be served, that can be used on the, on the battlefield. And, and, and by the way, Trump was trying to negotiate when he was in the White House, trying to, to renegotiate a nuclear treaty 
with Russia, and uh, Biden abandoned a lot of those talks. So that, that's why that's why yeah we, we have to we have to prepare for these these types of possibilities. And it's clear that the Biden administration, the the Pentagon, uh, they're 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 not um, not only they, not only are sending mixed messages, they're not they're not prepared for explaining to the American people what's going on and how we prepare for it. Talking to, stop it. talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District. He's also uh, chairman of the Republican Study Committee. Um, there are people who will say we should not be involved with funding Ukraine at all. Bunch of Nazis. That's not where our money uh, should go. Is this the right approach, the wrong approach, or is the approach somewhere in the middle? Yeah, I don't, I, 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 we, we've given a substantial amount of lethal aid Ukraine. We've done that for years, and I've, I've supported a great deal of that. Under, under, remember, under President Trump, we started sending, sending the, the javelins and other offensive weapons to Ukraine so they could fight back against the Russians. And thank God we did that, because if we wouldn't have done that, Ukraine wouldn't have had a fighting chance when Russia invaded. So the, the problem, though, Tony, is I say every day, the reason I voted against the $40 billion aid package to Ukraine, a lot of it was humanitarian aid, and a lot of it still hasn't even been accounted for. Uh, we, there's no accountability for where the money is being being spent. If it's making it downrange, those are big issues. But but overall, America can't be the policeman for the rest of the world. We can't lead around the world in the way that America historically has. If we're so weak at home, if we can't take care of our own border, if Americans are suffering because of inflation and gas prices and uh, everything that we're dealing with domestically, all that going on, we're not a, we're not strong enough as a country to go out and play that role that maybe we played in the past. So that 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 in and of itself is is why I voted against it. But but never forget that a weakness invites aggression. And if, to mix my mix my presidential metaphors, you had you had Rose, uh, Teddy Roosevelt talk about speak softly, carry a big stick. You had President. Reagan defined peace through strength, a strong and powerful military, a strong and mighty America deters our enemies. We have the opposite going on today with this president who invites uh, these uh, these actors to do things that otherwise they would be afraid to do. And that that that's what that's what I'm so afraid of over the next two years is what what is China going to do? Iran is acting out North Korea acting out again in such a bigger way. That, that's what we're up against. So we have a we have military leaders and a commander in chief who just aren't prepared for it. They're not up for the job, and that that's the that's the worst part of it. Should the United States keep funding Ukraine, whether it's dollars or whether it's arms, in this fight against Russia? Well, the, the National Defense Authorization Act that I support does provide more lethal military aid to Ukraine, and I'm 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 for that to a degree. Uh, it, it's it's where the money's being spent, how it's being spent, and, and the accountability questions of it that has led me to vote against some of the larger packages. Let's talk uh, about uh, midterms. I mean, we could talk about this this economy, but uh, I'm going to get in, into that. Uh, let's talk about the, the midterms. Uh, you're out there, of course, a member of Congress. You're up every two years, uh, but you spend a lot of time uh, w- with the leadership, a lot of time uh, traveling the country. What are you seeing? What are you experiencing? What's your feel on the House and the Senate and the possibility of victories for Republicans? Well, I'm I'm very optimistic that we're going to win back the House majority. The American people are demanding new leadership in Washington, and they've had enough of Pelosi and the Democrats who are in charge. So, I'm very bullish on on winning the House majority. The Senate's a different different map, different questions. I I still think we 
we win one or two seats in the Senate, have a Senate majority too, but it's going to be very, a very slim Senate majority. The reason why, Tony, is all of the polling, whether polling in Northeast Indiana, of my own polling or national polling, the top three issues for Republicans are uh, the, the border uh, and the crisis at the border, illegal immigration, uh, uh, inflation, gas prices, and crime. The top issues for Democrats in my district or Democrats anywhere else in the country is January 6th and abortion. What do the independent swing voters in America care about? The ones that are go- the, the voters who are going to determine what, which party has the majority, they care about the same issues that Republicans care about. They care about crime, inflation, gas prices, and the border. There's a big difference between what Democrats in Congress are focused on, January 6th, Trump, uh, abortion, and what the voters care about, which is that, that, that subset of issues that I just talked about. So the commitment to America, Republicans rolled out, addressed the issues that the American voters care about. And that, that's why I believe largely they're going to come out and, and give us a chance to lead again, even though at times they're rightly so very skeptical Republicans are going to do. We have to, we have to do what we say we're going to do when we get the majority back and keep our commitments. And if we do that, I think we'll keep this majority for a long time to come. One of the races that you have been involved with, and you were one of the earlier supporters I had ever seen, of Jennifer Ruth Green in the Indiana First. So that is the Northwest part of Indiana, Gary and Hammond, outside of Chicago, Chicago land, if you will, re- represented by a Frank Mervan, Congressman, uh, Democrat. And Jennifer Ruth Green is a Republican. She is uh, retired, or I should say still involved in the Guard, uh, the U.S. Air Force, a military history. And it was just a week or so ago that Politico wrote a story that involves her military records that she claims were improperly obtained, and she is stating that they were improperly obtained by Congressman Frank Mervan. And in those records, it details uh, what she alleges as a sexual assault from an Iraqi service member. This got put into an article in Politico. It was put out there to the world. There are great questions as to why this information was put in an article. Never mind how this information was released. This is Indiana. This is where you live and breathe. This is part of your congressional uh, delegation. What has been the response on the Hill to this? And to to a more direct point, how is it that people are silent when military records are leaked. Yeah, this is uh, this is really a huge uh, a story. Clearly, someone broke the law in obtaining these private military records, uh, fit reps, or the um, uh, her her uh, uh, evaluations uh, in the Air Force. This is different than your DD two fourteen. This these are your military evaluations and someone broke the law by obtaining these and releasing them to a reporter with politico who's somewhat well known in indiana he he basically works for the this writer for politico basically works for the indiana democrat party and does their bidding often uh whenever he whenever he uh, publishes his stories so this is a shameful attempt by the democrats who are so worried about losing a seat by the way the democrats have had for almost a century and they know that Republicans have made large gains in this district, and we have the best candidate we've ever run on the Republican side. Jennifer Ruth Green, an Iraq War veteran, and they're trying to destroy, destroy her reputation just a few weeks before Election Day. So I just got off the phone a few minutes ago before 
I got on the phone with you, Tony, with Larry Bouchon, my colleague from Evansville. Uh, we're going to be we're working on something right now to to demand uh, that the Air Force explain how those private uh, uh, fitness reps or evaluations were obtained, how they were uh, how they were why they were released right before Election Day uh, to a reporter who used them for partisan purposes to help the Democrat in this district politicizing something that should never be politicized. So. It's a, it's a shameful attempt by the Democrats. They should be held accountable for it. But here, here's the good news. The good news is that Jennifer Ruth Green is fighting back. She's fighting back hard. She's showing the type of leadership she's going to show when she's a member of Congress to fight uh, for American values, for our troops, and, and uh, for the issues that we care about. This is why she's going to be a good representative. And I'm, I'm, more, I'm more confident about her race than I've ever been before because of the way I see her fighting back against these uh, these uh, shameful attempts. I want to make sure I'm clear about one thing here, sir. Uh, you and Congressman Larry Bouchon, uh, the 8th District, southwestern part of, of, of Indiana, Evansville area, uh, and the like, are going to be engaging in legislation or in a, uh, a questioning of the Air Force of how this material got leaked? And are you making the statement uh, that it was Congressman uh, Frank Mervan who released these documents to a quote-unquote reporter in Indiana? Well, clearly they were released uh, for his benefit. I, I don't know who released them, but I'm, I, I and Larry Bouchon and others are going to demand that the Air Force explain how it happened. How, how, do, how are these private records of one of their uh, service members released uh, to a reporter, a partisan political reporter, who is using it for, for Frank Bervan, the Democrat incumbent's, on his behalf. So we're going to be demanding answers, right? We're writing something to the Air Force, uh, the Secretary of the Air Force right now to demand uh, answers to how this happened. We'll keep you posted on what we hear back. Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd, Chairman of the Republican Study Committee, I appreciate taking the time to be with us, sir. We'll, we'll speak to you again, I'm sure, before the midterms. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. So over there at the NEA, they have no interest in actually worrying about your kids' education. It's like the American Federation of Teachers. Uh, They are very worried about how much more they can get teachers paid to therefore get more union dues, and they're always interested in building more unions. It's more union people, more dollars for them. The, the, The school system is not important. The union system is everything. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Uh, If you follow me on Twitter, you saw this. The NEA put out a tweet today, and it's an image of a candy bar. It looks looks like a Snickers. It's kind of cut in half. And in between the two halves is the head of Betsy DeVos, the former education secretary. And it says, parents and educators, be sure to check your kids' Halloween candy this year. We just found an out-of-touch billionaire funneling dark money to undermine public education inside our candy bar. Wow. I can't even, I can't even go on with the whole thing. It, it, if you follow me on Twitter, Tony Katz, you, you'll see it. It's ridiculous.
They, they can't meme. What are they even thinking? Do they not understand how this issue is being taken on Midwest Main Street? How serious this is regarding uh, education and where parents are? They don't think Betsy DeVos is the problem. They think you're the problem, NEA. They think you're the problem, Randy Weingarten, American Federation of Teachers, because you are. You don't think parents should have a say at all. Money should follow students and not follow schools. Going to a private school or going to a charter school doesn't take money away from public schools. Public schools need to compete. Be better at what you do. Money follows the student. That's the way it absolutely should be. If it means breaking the unions in two, well, then so be it. TonyCats.locals.com, everybody. That's where you want to be. This is Tony Katz today.